I would love to have been a fly on the wall when Rudiger and your dad were speaking to each other. <laughs> One bill must have been astronomical. Astronomical. <laughs> Coming in there, actually asking me, is there, is there going to be welding jobs in the future? They were generally worried about the cobot situation, saying, well, is this going to take over the jobs? Industry news, machine reviews, interviews, and a lot more right here on the Weld Like Better podcast. The following conversation was recorded between myself and Callum from EWM UK. Callum started out his career in the welding industry as a service engineer and has recently moved into a more sales-orientated role within the company. We speak about good times, legends of the industry, past, present and future, and what we believe is the future of the welding industry, right here on the Weld Like Bazaar podcast. Have you had hands-on with the robot? No, not yet. Is that Thursday? Thursday next week will be the first, not first introduction, but you know, like... First time I can properly say, go up to it and be, have this training and then be competent to do it myself. You know, but I've had UR training, so I've seen the polyscope. You know, I've I've I can know the movements and how and the safety side of it. Um, but the welding side is, you know, that's an EWM UR cap made with smooth robotics. Right. So that smooth robotics are coming to train us. Right. So the, what's what's the arm that you're using? Because I thought you were. But we've also got a system with a fanuc on as well. So that's the one I want to look at because that's the one that I really want to work with. So not the UR one mm-hmm. as such because I know there's loads of people doing the UR. Yeah. Because it's is it going to be called the XQ bot? XQ bot. Yeah. And that's going to be a cell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can either have it with a door at the front where you load it. Yeah. Or you can have it with a rotating turntable, which yeah. you do by hand. Yeah. But you lock it in. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I think that's so good is. Do you know, like so many clients, I think the BAE situations that you're talking about is quite unique, that you've got loads of young lads in your age that all look like Geordie Shaw lads, mm. <laughs> <laughs> like you and Johnny. Uh, you know, you're not all as ugly and rough nut as us Yorkshire lads. <laughs> but uh, a lot of clients that come to me with that inspiration and idea of a robot ultimately all say, well, we just can't get staff. Mm. There's no young lads coming through anymore. Mm. The one way you can just load it into a cell and spend the time programming it and be full, fully compliant, it turns up and you just load it into your client. Mm. That's where I really think we need to be. I still need you still need a sort of you know a welding knowledge though as well, don't you? Yes. And this is the thing people are people are like, I mean, if you want like on the podcast, we'll say that like, but people in me is there is there going to be welding jobs in the future? They're generally worried about the cobot situation, saying. Well, is this going to take over the jobs? And I was like, well, no, because can't do. Col- Cobot stands for collaborative robot. It's yep. it's made to work with humans. Yeah. Without that, without the human, the robot will just fucking sit there. You need to be able to program it, mm-hmm. and you need to know how to lay a weld. Yeah. And I think that that's a big misconception. So if you're John from stores and all you've ever done is taking your DHL deliveries every day yeah. and put them into part boxes. And then they expect you from the office to just walk up to that cobot after half a day's worth of training and start welding components. They're wrong. Mm, 100%. There's people that are very good at programming robots and there's people who are very good at welding. There's very few people who can do both. Put it together. Yeah. To understand. If you can do both, like, you know, you're very valuable to the business, really. There's a, there's a company that I deal with and they've got Cluse robots. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took quite a while to get them because of that that level of, right, we're going to train this person up and he's going to run it. But he might have still been an apprentice at that point, mm. so his welding knowledge was only quite basic. So potentially might not have been welding procedures to work to, mm-hmm. and at least that's a start. If you know you're going to be welding to a welding procedure, but in a lot of cases you can't, you can't always apply that to a robot situation anyway because yeah. a lot of it's can we even get it welding mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And I think that would be my knowledge of the EWM stuff, because I'm sure, would the, would the XQ bot come with a Titan in reality? Would have it, be it, with, it should be able to have it with any pro, any machine, basically, any XQ. Um, There'd be no reason not to put a Titan on it, though, would there, so you could do everything? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, if you're doing, you know, is it for, like, would you, is that for you, like, specking it to a customer, or is that for... I just think in general, I just think, you know, giving people a really good broad understanding of... This is what ro- robots can do, mm. but I think you're not limiting yourself. And you know, if you go tight, like you say, you can have all the processes, and it'll me. open you up to future 
future think, jobs, you know. I think, I think people scared about jobs through automation. Uh, a lot of automation situations that me and my dad got involved in. My dad did one of his first ever really big multi-scale automation jobs was for a company that were just in Morley called FTL. And they made the convoluted gas tube for your gas meter. Mm-hmm. So when your gas meter comes into house, it's just got two sockets and a bit of flexible stainless hose. Mm-hmm. And initially, before they even semi-automated that process, that were ladies in welding bays mm-hmm. and it were... It wasn't just like any old lady. So it was like a family in three generations. So yeah, there were yeah. grandma, mother, daughter, all all in, a, and they all worked for the company. And they all TIG welded them by hand. Mm. Let's say they started to automate in the 90s. They were already quite late to it because a lot of people had already started to semi-automate stuff by that point. Mm-hmm. But what that did is that grandma didn't want to be welding, TIG welding 500 flexible tube ends a day she she were probably ready for retiring yeah, yeah and what used to happen is they used to say don't retire yet and people didn't retire and they mm. were still welding so these automation systems were really simple welded at 90 amps you could put a cibora bi welder tig dchf on there and it just welded at 90 amps it did one rotation a bit of an overlap and that were it mm-hmm. those ladies jobs then Old Maggie don't want to be re- welding at 90 years old does she but she were quite happy loading mm. so she became a loader but I think in the in the concept of how technical a weld can you do on a robot, it's okay setting two bits of pipe up and making it look immaculate and amazing with a perfect prep yeah. and a perfect environment and getting that perfect. And and that's that's okay, but that's still a job for a pipe welder because he's welded it before you've set your robot up. Mm. I think everyone thinks that if you if the, if the prep's no good, the robot ain't going to be able to... Do anything about that. If you no. start with a bad prep, you're wasting your money with a with and you, a robot. You could put an hundred thousand pound camera on the robot, but it's not gonna see when when no. the when it's not burning through the back. And we've had a lot of well, not a lot, but you know, quite a few customers with complaining about the set the sort of setup and we look at it and just say, Look at the prep. There's a two mil gap there and a four mil gap there, so the robot ain't gonna be able to know that. You know, and this is what that's one of them. You think sometimes people think it's a magic wand, don't they? Like the, a standard torch. People think the it's the machines are magic you know, and the torch is a magic wand for I think it's uh I think it's funny when you go to a client I know when we started selling Alpha Q machines, a lot of people said it's taking the finesse and the expertise away from welding and that definitely wasn't the case. Mm. It was you had to apply your knowledge in a different manner. Yeah. It weren't a case of just turning two switches up until you got a voltage you liked and trying to match your wire speed. Or you go to where the tip X marks were on the machine. Yeah, <laughs> tip X marks or the yellow the yellow marks. Yeah, on the, yeah. and, and there's still quite a lot of bit of that now. But I think moving forward, people were really scared of a synergic curve. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm not using it in synergic. People still are. I find that. Yeah, yeah. Still people ring me up and say, can I take it out of synergic? And Yeah, just go on a job 188. But why? But why would you want to do that? That's the way I've always done it, you know. So, look, it's there if they want to use it. But I was like, you just bought a machine. 14 grand machine, this yeah. price. <laughs> you want to put it, just work off amps and volts, but a wire feed speed and volts. But, you know, if that's what they're used to, then... I, I think there's so much advantage, though, isn't there, of putting a machine in four-star compulse and being able to really manipulate your weld through an entire range of weld without getting it so it's really spattery and erratic or oh, settings aren't right. And I think in a lot of cases, when you go to a machine and, and the welder's frustrated, it doesn't matter how good your welding machine is because he's going to say it's shit. Mm, yeah. That fucking machine is yeah, shit. Yeah. And that's what you're going to get. It's always a machine fault. It's always a machine fault. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he's probably forgotten all his training he had. Mm. Do you sell a lot of machines for the cold art process anymore? Um, or has that seemed to taper off a little bit? It's application dependent, though, isn't it? So, I agree. Um, you know, it's it's still out there, but and you know, it's not like you're doing one every day or every week. But I think the the place where I think cold art comes into its own is when you think about doing stainless steel. Mm. So the stainless steel synergic curves, I think, are second to none. So everybody else's stainless steel synergic curves that I've used in industry. I still personally think that EWM's curves are best. And if you put it in cold arc, 
on some thin stainless and you put it in cold arc and pulse to get more arc pressure. In a lot of cases, you can do extremely good seam welds on two and three mil stainless, mm-hmm. you know, and, and achieve really, really good welds, but double the speed of TIG. Mm. And it might not be a TIG uh, essential process. Yeah. That's the thing. Like it's, it's what they've been doing in the past and as to what you, what they've spent all the money on the welding yeah. procedures for. Exactly. Yeah. So what did you sell into BAE? What what went in there? So you sold well that a bespoke Titan in a no, way. No, there's no Titan in there. It's only um they just they just do flux code. So flux code. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just Taurus. Taurus um basic. And I, I always like to talk about Taurus to people because people say Taurus and I say that's entry level mm. of the inverter range, but it's Taurus means bull in yeah. Spanish. Uh-huh. It's an absolute it's bull of a machine. Yeah, yeah, it's meant to be battered and hammered <laughs> yeah and they do get hammered um but yeah it's just they just wanted something very basic uh anything that you know that was on there that they didn't need was taken off really yeah like this is the, the thing with our sort of seo department and this is why it's so easy to work for ewm in terms of support they like everything i've sort of requested it's never been a hassle probably. it's always been done yeah yeah and like that's what you know. I don't know what other manufacturers are like, but that's why you know we do so well with you know big companies because we can tailor make things to. And SEOs might come from something as small as you know they wanted because I was saying earlier they've got a hundred meters of harness, so they're saying, could you make us a little test rig, which basically we put all the harnesses together, plug the because if you've got a faulty harness, you've got to take them all back out. So they asked if they could make a pocket sized test rig. With EWM on it right. and LEDs, which would do your voltage and your data signals. Brilliant. So I sent it to Germany and they went, Yeah, how many do they want? And they're buying like 100 or something like that. Yeah. You know, and it came, it was about that big, like pocket size, because well, it was developed to go into the lads' overalls. And when they went in the boat, it, it, you know, it was it was just something like that. I just, I don't know if you'd get that from anywhere else. I think there's, there's other manufacturers and there's other uh, welding kind of manufacturers in the market and they want to keep as much to themselves as possible. Mm. They want to try and do it all themselves and they want to keep all everything secret, but that doesn't enable really good working relationships like we've got with EWM. Yeah. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be good if I got all my service bulletins sent? <laughs> I'll forward you them if After you, you leave today, I'm going to be ripping workshop apart. Probably won't go on till midnight. I'll be looking for that dongle. It's got uh, to be here somewhere. It's like a needle in a haystack though, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm Saturday night. I was like, I, I, I think I had some sausages on way here at like two o'clock in the afternoon. It was like half past eight, and I was starting to go through every single component box in workshop. My dad wore every fucking name under the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you fucking bastard. This has got to be somewhere. Uh, and so it is incredibly like a needle in an haystack. You know, even at our place, I'll set up all of our stuff so i'll lay out all of the the stuff i need and i'll put it in the same drawer and i'm like right and then two weeks later you'll lose it because you've started putting other stuff in that drawer and moving it and you just i mean that's just me with a desk you know for you in here <laughs> I, would, I would have loved to see you trying to find something in here like. i went upstairs on saturday uh, i think I, I just went upstairs to the toilet and i thought i'm gonna have a look in here there might be something in there and i i, I, well, I never knew i had that Mm. And then, oh, fucking hell, I've got one of them. I needed that last yeah, week. Yeah, that's what you do. And then you you like, you like spend so much time looking at something that you didn't even originally looking for, but you're like, oh, I can use this for that. Yeah. And then you're thinking, what the fuck was I actually looking for in the first place? <laughs> well, it's funny because when we went upstairs to find the uh, the cable that I came down with, uh, I found loads of fronts for wire feed units for, for so we can put the membranes back on the uh, yeah. EWM wire feed units. Yeah, oh, I do that every every sort of stock take I find stuff and I spend like this is why our stock takes so, take so long because I was like looking I'm like oh god remember this and I was looking at that I'll, I'll definitely use that and then it's still there the still next there. stock yeah, take yeah. I'm like right I was going to use that but then you're it, desperate for a job to come in to use it it's not just me and my dad then no <laughs> no it's definitely me as well like I like say obviously where there's going into sales more now anyway I don't obsess so much about those little parts that I want to use but you know, if I if that my new service engineer does use them, I'll be the first one there helping them put it on, like because 
uh, like I was saying earlier, if I know if there's something in my brain, I can't go to sleep unless I, until I do it. Uh, yeah. Well, my dad was saying, my dad used to, when, when we all lived at home when we were a kid, if my dad had a problem, you'd hear him go sit on the toilet in the middle at night. And I mean, like, in <laughs> middle at night. So you'd be laid in bed and you'd see all, you see light come on at landing and you'd pop your head out. And my dad would be just sat there on the toilet, butt naked, <laughs> just sat there. And, you're all right, dad. And he'd be just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes you'd find him in bath and he'd have been in bath for four hours. Yeah. And he'd filled it up three times, <laughs> emptied immersion eater. And you're all right, dad. And he'd be, he'd be, yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking about something. And mm. it'd either be pondering an automation job or it'd be pondering a problem. Mm. Um, but it's like Oliver said the other day, he said, uh, you're a bit different to granddad. You just absolutely either go ballistic and smash everything up. Or he said, I just can't talk to you. He said, it's just like... I'm exactly the same. He said, you're like completely vacant. He said, I look at you and I'm like, you're all right, dad. Yeah. And I'm like, What? Yeah, your mind's not there. Like, you're there, like, in body and all that, but my my lass is exactly the same with me. She When she walks in, she just has to look at me, and she's like, he's in that, like... I'll just leave you to Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you get that when I go to bed sometimes. My mind, that's when all my mind starts to unravel everything. So I'm like, going off at a tangent, and then I can, like, draw things in my mind, which is like, it's like a family tree just splitting down, but it's just shit. <laughs> it's like... Stuff I don't even need to think about, but I obsess yep. about it for about an hour, and then I look at the clock. It's two o'clock in the morning, and then I think this last dad's been gone eight months, and I think I was really busy trying to just keep a, a hold of me shit before mm. he passed away. But then he then he passed away, and it's I just it's just that situation, like very similar. But I've had nights where I've not been to bed. I've stayed up all night, and I've gone to bed, and I've tried to sleep, and it's just. Absolutely just chipped. Mm. This is the World Like Bazaar podcast. So I was I wa- really drilling pipe solution mm. 10 years ago. Mm. And then this young guy, about 23, started using pipe solution on this open route. And I went, isn't it good that you can weld with it like an MMA rod, but in, in MIG, and you can have an extended stick out and it's still really fierce and it's punching through and it's, oh, I love it. Mm. And then I can put pulse on and do my second pass and I'm like, I was trying to do this 10 years ago when you were like 14 years old. Yeah, it baffles me. Like, like the stuff, the processes and all that are there to make it easier. Like, easier, yeah. I was like, I don't do loads of the welding side. Obviously, Johnny does a lot of that, but it was just one day I said, Johnny, set us up a Titan and put us on cool dark and put us on root dark. And I hadn't welded like for ages. Right. And the first time I was like, this is so easy. And he's like, no, he says that the stability of the arc was just, and like I've been there, this was only probably last year where I've been at EWM for eight years. And I'm thinking like, why do people not use it when they've got it available? It's, why do people struggle? Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, when, when I used it, both the processes, so you, you, you know, setting up the wire and then you've got the, process selection in the top left and i just said to johnny just set us up and tell us what to do and i'll do it so it came down hand on the cool dark with a, a gap big yep. old gap at the yep, bottom yep, as well. yep. and i like johnny had set it up and i was like i ain't gonna be able to do that and it just flew across and then root arc went vertical up again it's just lovely to use so do you use root arc on a vertical up position yeah. normally for a little bit more arc pressure mm-hmm. yeah yeah but not you don't have to weave as such you just go straight up yeah um it was just I guess it was quite a, a gap on that as well, to be fair, though. I can't remember exactly what it was now, but it was just, for me, to, I think from transitioning from service engineer to sales guy, obviously knowing the processes even more than I make it sort of my business, like I was saying earlier about setting a Pico make 225 up, and I was like, wow. And I went up Amazing and, machine. Yeah, I went up and sat with Alan, I was like, and me and Alan was like, he says, like, that's the best thing about just setting them up and having a bit of play with it and understanding. Someone rang us up, actually, and asked, and they wanted to do um, some aluminium work with it. And he said, could it do it? And I says, look, I'll ring you back in an hour. And I set it up myself, and I just did it. And I, and I rang the customer, and I says, no problem. No problem at yeah, all. Yeah, no problem. Because until that point, it was either a 180 or a 300 mm. for the pulse. Yeah. But... The 180 just didn't have enough balls in it to be able to pulse the bigger diameter wires. Yeah. So a 225, and now the fact that it's so efficient, 
Because that's something EWM's always been great at, even when it came into the UK as a messer, as a blue machine. And I'm going to show you one. I found one on the bench the other day where the controls are in the side pan yeah, yeah. as a messer. Just, and the, the good thing about them is incredibly efficient. The power factor correction, I know a lot of people rave about this. You can read any manufacturer's statements now and look at a brochure, power factor connection, wide voltage usage. Um, EWM were always incredibly efficient. Everyone thinks that power uh, factor correction is new. It's not. It's, it's been, been around since the 60s, I think. It's been about it? since like 1958. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just that it's been sort of condensed and now being able to be used in welding machines. It's used as a marketing tool yeah. in the welding industry. Well, people I've seen other manufacturers actually put PFC on, on the end of it. There's some European manufacturers that are really good at shouting about that. Yeah, the, the, I, don't, I don't think we are, we particularly advertise it in the name or anything like that. You don't that. need to do you, just need to say we're incredibly efficient. Yeah. And I think the, the misunderstanding of power factor correction is it just makes your efficiency so good yeah. for what you're putting in to mm-hmm. what you're getting out. Well, you so, say that with the extra pulse jobs on those two to five. Is, you know, if you look on the job list, and if it's white, it's a standard job. If it's blue, it, nearly 90% of them are all available in pulse now. In pulse. I know, and that's all. On a is. single phase machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that um, Pico Mega, I quickly just ran off a 13 amp plug and <laughs> flew through it. We use a little caravan adapter. Mm-hmm. 13 amp plug, uh, blue 16 amp socket. Yeah. Put your 16 amp plug on your machine, plug it in, and uh, you just just run it off 13 amp plug because a lot of people might only have 13 amp supply available yeah, yeah. until they can get a 16 amp supply put in. Mm-hmm. And all that's going to give you is being a knock knock L out of the top end of it anyway because mm-hmm. at 13 amps, you, you can get them up to nearly 200 amps in mm-hmm. MIG. Yeah, yeah. And it's not going to blow the fuse. It's just under the 13 amps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It would be a very popular machine, that. I think it needs selling the back end of does that 225 and the 220. Yeah, that's, well, that's what I'm pretty much doing now is I've got them in the boot of the car and you go out and you show people it and they're just amazed by it. So Dad was in hospital and a client phoned and at that point, I think you'd only just really started talking to me regarding the sales side. We'd spoke forever about lack service, but Callum, I've got this fucking problem, <laughs> right? I'm telling you, this is, yeah, it's all right. I'll speak to Germany. I'm like, fucking, I'm telling you, I've fucking seen it. Yeah. And, um, uh, and I remember speaking to you. He said, "Oh, the, we do the the one that takes fifteen kilogram spool, mm. the two two five. Yeah. So for me, for a machine that's got pulse, incredibly stable arc, runs off a thirteen amp plug, sixteen amp preferably, yeah. and takes a fifteen kilogram spool, you're happy to pay that little bit extra for it. Mm. Yeah, that would help. Yeah. I I sold the one without pulse, just the standard." Client didn't want pulses, just doing like end plates to to H and I beams. He just wants to do it in one pass, and it looked really good. He's put one mil wire on it, and he's just pulling trigger, running it off a really crappy farm supply. Mm. Said it's best machine he's ever used. So easy to use as well. Like the set, the the panel is just so clean, and it's not over complicated. I, I try to use this quite a lot. If you look at a nineteen nineties EWM machine, and you look at a Titan you can still use both machines and pretty much everything in between because EWM's never really changed the ethos of how to navigate that system. Mm. Oh, it's all the same if it's not broken. Don't You're it. not quite old enough yet to... to, to... I'm getting there. Like, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely getting there. I feel old. But I think, uh, I think that's something that's really good and I think these manufacturers that change it all the time, if you, even though on the expert panel... On the XQs, it still navigates through the same way as you would on on a HP panel on, Those, on the Comfort uh, 3.0 or 2.0. The Expert 3.0 is gonna be on the Titans, and if is it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, we had it on the stand in Essen. Right. So that'll be I don't know. I think early this year. I think they're bringing that out. So, but the good thing is, it's so it's such a nice panel, but it's sort of gonna be. If you've got TIG sets and you've got MIG sets with those expert panels on, where there's such there is quite a big difference now in terms of a Titan panel to a Tetrex panel. They're yeah. gonna be they're gonna look exactly the same. And it's you can simplify it, like people look at it and say, It's too complicated. I'm like, all right, well watch this and I'll take right, do you not want that on? Take it off. And it just it shortens the menu like the, the panel down and you're only looking at the parameters that you need. And that's been a big benefit for that. That's a very good idea. Yeah, that's been one of the best 
things that we've brought out, you know, because there's such, you know, with, you know, with any machine, people are saying it's overcomplicated. And it's like, yeah, but you haven't had any training on it. As soon yeah. as you speak to them after 15, 20 minutes, they're like, oh, so it's not that bad. But if you can go in and say, right, well, we'll just change this to make it simple for you straight away. It just shortens that time period down for them to get using the machine, really. Because a lot of the people that we're trying to educate with new gear is stuck in a way of using Summit. Well, they've been through such a transitional period now where, you know, from when I first started to having, you know, and now you're getting rid of that step switch. You yes. know, they haven't to jump from something which has been very simple. You tip yeah. X marks on your sweet yeah, spot yeah. to now yeah. an Nissan expert Marcus. panel. Yeah. I can see it is probably daunting to people, but we're in a different generation now where everyone's got smartphones and, you know, weld machines are going to sort of like look at that because yeah. that's what humans relate to now yeah. anyway. Um, and that's a way where we're going to get young guys back in. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, well, that's why, you know, with, with cobots and all that, with the pendants and the, you know, they look like tablets now. Yeah. They look like iPads, essentially. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, I mean, we were talking about this a while ago, about the average age of welders, nearly like 58 now, I think. So there's going to be that next generation that have to come through. And this one now is, you know, up to date with your smartphones, your tablets and all that. And that's what I think is obviously very clever in the way that weld machines, they're going to look similar. But, you know, they have that sort of... Um, Operating system, which is yep. easy to use. Well, we've we've been involved with EWM since before Morpeth opened. Mm -hmm. Now, as an engineer, I've ripped sides off a lot of machines, which were like 80s and 90s machines, and seen EWM components yeah. in other people's machines. A lot of people are completely unaware of that. Mm -hmm. uh, because EWM used to make components for other people's welding machines, didn't yeah, they, yeah. for a long time? Because th did the company start in the 50s? Uh, yeah, it was the 50s, yeah. 50... I can't remember. I'll get crucified for not knowing the exact birth of the company, but yeah, it was the fifties. I've got yeah. a timeline in, in the actual show, which shows, you know, the first generation of the Chesney family, which actually started it. Yeah, and you know the. I've never had the privilege of meeting them. No, oh, they're brilliant. Uh, say the family, they're still very much involved, but you know, and Michael Chesney, you know, the yeah, he's like the sort of the brains of it all. Yes, you know, um, and everything that. I've sort of, I've sent emails direct to him asking about stuff and he's like come back so helpful and said, like, this is what you need. Amazing. I know that some of the stuff I spoke, spoke about before about software and SEO stuff. Yes. I've just sent it to him a little bit. I don't know, like, should I just send it and just chance it? And he's just came back straight away and said, yeah, yeah, this is what you need to do. This is the colleague who will help you with it. Yeah. And it's very easy to work with. I think that's, I still go back to, um, Rudiger. Yeah. Potentially being one of the, my dad were super intelligent, just on a different level of like, a little, I don't know. I don't, it just look at you. It'd be like, I know, I know what it is. Mm. And that, and then Rudiger was first time. My dad used to speak about Rudiger, about some in-depth conversations that they'd had. So I, this must have been in the eighties. I would love to have been a fly on the wall when Rudiger and you have to have a speak to each other. So <laughs> the phone so, bill must have been astronomical. Astronomical. <laughs> and my dad used to be like, "I, I love the fact because my dad was one of the first ever Murex City and Gills Grade Three engineers qualified in the UK in the eighties. One mm. of the very first." He's super proud of it. And that is, although my dad's not here, you sat actually right next to his ashes. So you yeah, can give yeah. him a pat on. on. But um, no, that's staying up wall. I'm super proud of it. And he used to say, he said, I love speaking with Rudy. And he never called him Rudy, Rudy. He said, he'd tell you like in very slow English, exactly what component. And this was still through old technology, uh, very basic microprocessor. And he'd be like, if this goes Malcolm, it's because of this. Mm. And my dad said, I learned so much from him. And then I met him when George was the engineer yeah, at EWM. Yeah. Rudy came over and he pulled me like on the nighttime. I think we were there for three days. He went. Oh, that was right. Oh, that was, we had like a, because uh, it's you, Rudy and Jan, the younger lad. We, yeah. Uh, we all went for a beer after and all We that. did. Well, he kind of put, he was like looking at me really funny, what Rudy, and I thought I've upset <laughs> him. And he pulled me and went, like, you, you've asked really crazy questions like that nobody else has asked. And, and he said, you really, you want to know why that droplet's that size? And, mm. and I'm like, yeah, I do. 
and he looked at me and said, ah, I like it. And, <laughs> just, and he like, we hit it off. And he was just like, uh, he used to tell me about, he'd get shouted at for having his conversant workshop in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he'd be like, um, I'd blown a main board up and a, and a secondary inverter board on a machine and, and everybody would be going, how come you've done that? He said, I need to know what's blown it up. I need to know what's going to cause these like faults. like a nutty professor in a way, wasn't Absolutely he? Absolutely amazing. Uh, he was brilliant. I learned a lot through the guy in the early days of EWM as just well. Just one of the top one of the top guys, him and my dad. You're like, yeah, just The first machine that, when I first started speaking to Rudiger, was we had a company that used a lot of Triton 400s. Right, okay. And Rudiger, that was basically what George was still there, but he was sort of doing like They half, were red, red and black at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George was sort of like doing half days. So he's like, he said, look, if I'm not here, um, speak to Rudiger. And you could pick the phone up and he would tell you, like, like I say, I can only imagine what him and your dad used to must have talked about. But It was nuts. Yeah. Uh, but like, even the guys now in the service department, like Florian and Michael, they've been there. You know, I think Florian came through the. The, tra- the apprenticeship scheme, which a lot of them do. Yeah. And this is the thing that you find with AWM in Germany. A lot of them, if you go on like our intranet, it's a lot of them celebrating the 25th anniversary of working or 35, yep. 40 years, some of them. Yeah. Seems to be a company that everyone goes into and just stays at, you know? Yeah. So obviously doing something right. And I agree. If, if you've got people coming in at that level, not wanting to move on, you know, Alan's been there forever in the UK, hasn't he? Yeah. Paul joined Alan. Paul's been there forever. Paul's been there for 14, 15 years, probably now, I think. Really? That long? Yeah. I've been there. There's 10 years for me this year. And you came from a, a mechanical background. To start. I, I worked for uh, John Deere. So, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Alan poached you. There's another Geordie Shaw boy <laughs> for my, for my calendar. <laughs> I don't know how I, I was thinking about it the other day, how I even got into it, because, like I said, I was... He poached you, didn't he? Well, there was, like, I think it was, like, a, an agency. I was doing, like, for John D. I was doing a lot more, it was mechanic, mechanical hydraulics. Yeah, because he'd never seen an, an oscilloscope at that point, nah, had nah, you? No, nah, no, I don't know. I, was, I went to college and all that and did my electronics stuff, but it, then going into work, it was all 12-volt systems. Yeah, yeah. And on that sort of stuff, it was always hydrostatic transmissions, engines, the electric side of it. I never... So when I came into this, I was like, shit. What have I, I done? <laughs> I did. I Honestly, I thought... Have you found any dead rats? In the, I was <laughs> Not in the EWM world, but in the John Deere world, I, there was a lot. Well, you're thinking farm equipment or there was a lot of golf course stuff and you'd find... You'd have to clean all the machines out and you'd find half of the rat in one side of the machine because mm. it's been thrown up and... So I was laughing when you were talking about that yesterday. I used to also put a rubber chicken in my toolbox as well. It's like just for piss take, like because I spent so many hours on road on my own. I used to have this rubber chicken and then when I got really pissed off, I'd sit inside of my machine and if somebody were in a welding bay looking over my shoulder, really pissing me off, I'd just start having a conversation with this rubber chicken <laughs> and you'd be amazed at how quickly they're fucked off. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I'd, I'd wrap it back up and put my rubber chicken back in my toolbox and I'd just think, yeah, that worked. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, that I forgot about, that's a belter, is that uh, one? I've done, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, spent I was too laughing many hours. yesterday when you talked about, you know, when you were cutting away that bench to get into that machine. I was just sitting there laughing away because I've been in certain situations like that, but I just think now I fucking just put my stuff in the van and drove away because I couldn't have done that. Like. Nine inch grinder, two boxes of discs. Nah. And that bloke's like, are you going to weld it up after? I'm like, I'm not going to fucking weld it up, no. no. I remember when I was at John Deere, I had the option of working outside in the rain or working in the shed, which was flooded. So I was going to get wet either way. So you'd be putting, you'd be working underneath track or whatever and you'd be putting cardboard down, but it would just slowly be saturating into the puddles. And for anybody who's thinking about coming into welding industry, it's not always like that. <laughs> I remember the water just going down the back of the overalls and getting, and you have that, you said it yesterday or Sunday whenever you did the podcast, the first episode saying, you go back and you question, why the fuck am I doing why this? Why the fuck am I doing this? Uh, I did that quite often. like, But, you know, I think... When I joined EWM, the, the thing with John Deere, we did every machine. When I'm doing EWM, we only have EWMs in. Yes. So, and that's why I, I only wanted to leave John Deere to go to another. John Deere's the high end. Of, yep, the best. Yeah, The best, yep. without a doubt. And I didn't want to leave. I was a bit reluctant to leave anyway, but there was another situation. But I, I was like, if I'm leaving, I'm going to the best of another. You know, and if it would be the same thing if I ever left EWM, I couldn't yep. go and, I probably couldn't go and work for anyone else. No. Because 
of getting to that point of, you know, you've no machines inside now, all the different the layouts of them. I just think, you know, I'm very biased, obviously, but ours is just, when you take the sides off, you know the layout of it now. And I think it made it very easy for me to learn. Yes. Because the, so, the service manuals are really good. And I've don't, I, I don't even think I've got a service manual yet for me Titan. I've, I'm sure I've sent you it. You might have done that. I, I, I'm sure I've sent you one. I'll have a look. Uh, I've never had to use one yet. There's, uh, I had a particular client on a very, very, very early uh, batch. She had a couple of pumps go, which I don't think that was a, an EWM problem at all, but EWM were like, send you some new pumps. Mm. Uh, I don't think it was even a warranty job, really. I think it might have just been a pump failure. Like I found, you know, in what, 10 years... When I very first joined, we had the only time that we've had a sort of, not a recall, but a, a big thing where I was saying, look, we found this, but the, the way that they deal with it is... Unprecedented. It, it's not like a big stress about it. It's like, right, we found this, this is the solution. And it's like just handled. This, it's not draw, it's like not dragged out. Hypertherm are exactly the same. Mm. I used to go out to Rosendahl quite a lot when, the, when it was out there. That's how I became really good friends with David Peake. I know David Peake. Uh, well, I've never met him, but I speak to him on, um, through emails. So he's very good. Again, just the oracle of mm. of knowledge. Um, came up working for an OEM. Mm. Uh, it told some amazing stories, actually. Like, there's some amazing stories. One, I think there was one being in a nightclub in, in, in India. That's an amazing story. Uh, yeah, just, just yeah. I can't some, imagine a nightclub in India. Just, I've had some great times with him, and they once put me up in an hotel, and they laughed in the morning when I got up because they put me in the room right opposite the the church, the town hall church bell, mm. so it would chime in every fifteen minutes, and they pissed themselves when I walked <laughs> out. or like, I need a new room, and they all laughed at me for that. Uh, but no, David, incredibly, incredibly intelligent guy, and willing to kind of. Learn from new people that go in as well. Go, actually, Barry, yeah, that's a really good way that you've done that. How come? And he always questions, why do you do it that way and not this way? I went, because I'm normally knee deep in shit, mm. no 4G, no internet, no service manual. Yeah. I've been told wrong story before I get to site. That happens less and less now. But in early days, my dad had sent me out to fix a plasma and I'd be turning up to a Lincoln FCR 650. Mm. And it'd be somewhat completely different. Yeah, yeah. Or I'd be getting sent out to a Lincoln FCR 650. It'd be a Lincoln bullet. Mm. You know, Interpol's had, had dropped and and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so many different times I said today, I've just got to sit there and reverse engineer that machine in my head as quickly as humanly possible. Mm. And David's like, what? What do you? I said, I've just got to sit there, Dave, and go right. I know how this needs to work, and I'll. And a lot of it is hijack. So you've got to simulate the fault, work out why it's doing it, and a lot of it is proving it to yourself as an yeah, engineer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's been installed in me with my dad. So uh, again, back to hypertherm. It's just like if there is a problem. I think it sometimes falls under the radar, doesn't it? If it's such a small percentage, and they're selling. 10 billion machines it's not going to really get picked up on but if you're seeing that very small percentage all in one go you're going to think oh there's quite a big problem mm. when ultimately there's not you speak to hypertherm like yeah no problem yeah. yeah and you know again service bulletins probably don't get sent out to me but somebody will get them somewhere yeah uh, it's it's one of them it's i always think it's how they deal with the situations if there is you know that everyone has problems but I think, don't pretend it doesn't happen no exactly like just deal with it. Yeah, the electrical comp- components, there's, you know, things happen, but like I say, it's how you respond to it. Like with me being in, in the service side for so long, I sort of made it my business to have, I was probably overcautious with spare parts, but one of the first things I show potential new clients or sales partners is the spare parts range we keep because yeah. they need to know if that goes down for whatever reason. We've got it. Yeah, we've got it and we'll get it back up and that's it. I think it's funny how all the conversations we have is always normally about a completely obscure fault that's never been seen before. And then you go, fucking hell, I've never seen that before. Yeah, I, go, yeah. I know. And like, I've, this is what it is. It's got to be this. 
but then the backup from Germany, you put that forward to them. Mm. Yeah, actually, completely right. This can cause that problem, and that's why you know it's, we've never seen it before. But we've done the research, and we, we can categorically say, yeah, change that board and yeah. or that component. And I think rather than just get an email saying you need to change that and it's that price, yeah, the price never comes into it because the service has been so amazing in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the reliability. We've got alpha cues that have been out 10, 12 years. They're looking a bit dated now, but that's only due to design. Everything was square back then. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I remember like when I first joined, they had like the big A on the side of the machine or the big P for like if it was alpha or phoenix or yeah, it had a big yeah, S or yeah, for yeah. Saturn. And that was the only way I, when I first joined, it was how I really identified what machine it was. Right. And then obviously I got to know it a lot more, but then the XQ range completely changed everything where... You know, it's all this nice, slim, sleek design for production purposes and everything. It's sort of like all the XQs now look the same in a way. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. you have to go up there and have a look, but it's it's so much Yeah, I've better. done that. I've fallen over a Titan thinking it were Phoenix yeah, and, yeah. Other, and other way around. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot easier for me, again, going, referring back to the server side, you don't have to hold a million different spare parts. Yeah. All your casings are the same. If, you know, it's quite rare that people, well, for me anyway, I find it's quite rare people damage the actual power source side of it. Did you see that email that I sent you where I'd just sold a Phoenix 400XQ, two weeks old, and they dropped a great big piece of steel straight through the front of it? No, I don't think I think, well, I, I checked the emails the other day, and like me and you were like, right, I'm going to need this. I'm going to oh, need these. Yes, I, and I, I was like, How, how's that happened? Like, yeah. I, brand new, like, what... 10, 12 grand machine. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they only picked parts up for it the other day. Oh, yeah, well, well, he's still working. I'm like, well, you warrant his voice. Uh, <laughs> I remember that, actually. I, he sent us a couple of photos, didn't you? Well, it battered. And we spoke to German. They were like, Barry, you're going to have to rebuild the case oh, if that, you change that front panel. I think, well, you asked me for the parts. I didn't even have the parts list. It was part <laughs> of the production parts list. So they would never... Like they probably would have had to take that off a machine on the production. We can, line. We can do it, Barry, but he's going to spend a week to like, oh, you'd change have to it. take the whole front end off. But <laughs> it's, it's madness. But I think that's what's good about the Titan range. And you look at other people's welding machines of the same amperage, of a, a similar technology value, and the half the size. And you open an EWM machine up, and it's still double the size of everybody else's, and still ram packed with technology. Mm. And it's not, it's not that they're using oversized, cheap technology. They're still using... It's, it's full. Mm. It's full of good gear. Yeah. And they've slimmed them down. Like, the tank's a little bit smaller now in the Titans yeah. for the water cooling. Like, it, it was, like, bigger than the diesel tank on my van were the one in the, in the, the Alpha Qs. Yeah, they were massive, weren't they? I think that's why, you know, when, you, when people talk about a price point on machines and all that, but if you're looking at... If you take the sides off, you can see the level of, you know, the components that they're at. You know, and yeah, you can see that they're not cheap components. You can tell it's the best. And when you look, like I, I am that anal. I have scrutinised boards. Mm. Like the first one that came in, I think it was a week late to the client because I had every single board out of the machine. <laughs> and my dad were like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, and I'm like, I, I remember I, your dad ringing us up and saying, "We need one of these Titans." And I says, "All right." And he says, "I Barry wants to pull it apart." I'm like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. but that's how you get to learn the machine. And I need, yeah, without a manual, I need to know how I'm going to get to that part. How I'm going to get to this, what that does, how it's been interfaced. Yeah. And also, I want to know what the ethos is. Is it still EWM? And that's what sold it to me. It took panels off and it's still EWM. Yeah, it looks sexy, mm. but it's still EWM. And the price point thing's really important that you mentioned. It's all in. Like, all your synergic curves are there. Mm. Everything's there. You don't... And I'd, I'm very familiar with the synergic curves. A client phoned up six months ago. I want to use this particular wire. This synergic curve doesn't exist, and I want to use this gas, right? A couple of emails backwards and forwards, and the new guys were saying it needs to be three-part or four-part gas. The customer only wanted to use the 2.5% CO2. I said, right, I'll tell you how we're going to do it, client number B. Mm. We're going to do it by putting the wire on, and you're going to use this synergic curve on this gas, but you're going to have to tweak it this way, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to change your dynamic a little bit, and you're going to have to, but it's going to weld. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are you sure? And I'm like, uh, 99% <laughs> sure. Yeah. Have you done it before? No, but I've sat up all night, like you said, yeah. and I've thought about it, and I've, 
I can kind of remember the synergic curve on that machine. It were, it were red and black. Mm. It weren't even like the the old Phoenix or uh, mm. Alpha Q range. And we got it right. And he went, it's past the welding procedures. It's mm. brilliant. And it's that's my confidence level in the product that makes me so unique. Yeah, I, I am single, but there's a reason for it. <laughs> yeah, there's a fucking reason for that. Probably <laughs> because you're sat in here at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. 20 past. <laughs> My mum said it was 20 past 10 when you left. <laughs> so I think I'll bring it to a close, mate, but it's been a pleasure to have you and record you. It's been good. No, thanks for having us, mate. Really? Are you coming back on in a month? When are you back up? Well, I'll... six weeks. Ah, yeah, yeah. And then you'd have had your training on the robot. You are a robot, yeah. You are a robot. But so many things now, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there is. You are... I tell you what would be really good, I think, if I can come and spend a full day at Mac with you. Yeah. On the stand this year. I think we've got... We'll have that cell. So I think we're putting the smaller one on. Uh, yes. Just for, you know, for the layout. It'd be too big to do the... I, 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 don't know, I don't know exactly how big the stand is, but I just think, for, obviously, for shipping and all that, it's essentially... It's going to be the same robot, same power source... And you know, you'll so have... we're going to be at Mac. You and Johnny will be there. Alan will be there. Yeah, so we've we've got a meeting on Thursday afternoon to sort of discuss personnel and because ideally you're going to want me there for probably a couple of days and then I'll probably swap with another sales guy for a yep. couple of days and they bring their customers. I think Martin from Germany's coming over. Brilliant. You've met Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Martin Weber's coming. What uh, a welder! I did, I did, I did all the COVID uh, training with him. Like because through COVID, he did all uh, his video yeah. seminars. Yeah, yeah. And that's like Alan would be picking his nose on the live chat in the morning, and, <laughs> and I'd be I'd be texting Alan a message saying I can see you picking your nose. We're like, God, I forgot I'm alive. And, uh, and so yeah, I did all that, and yeah, because he did all the uh, all the different kind of he did one based on four Stark and, mm. and stuff like that, didn't he? It's there's a one there's a good one on the uh, Cobot on there as well. Um, right, okay. It, it was it might be on YouTube, but I seen it on LinkedIn about four or five weeks. So I reposted it on LinkedIn. And it's just showing you how sort of easy it was to use that on there. So Yeah, so if anybody wants to find like us as a, I'm MS Welding, obviously, but like EWM is pretty much straight through the middle of us. But you post all your videos to LinkedIn. Mm. YouTube channel doesn't seem to be as busy as it used to be. I don't I know guess- if they're changing like I say the YouTube channel they had they did quite a lot. Um but then, like, I don't know if the like, I don't know if you've met Stanny. He he's like the guy for Xnet. He seems to be on you, Leonardo yeah, 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 DiCaprio yeah, yeah. of EWM. Yeah, he is. And yeah. I know actually, when we were in Essen, um, Stanny was on the. Ex- he's another good-looking fucker, isn't he's, he? Uh, he's just like he's one of the lads as well. Like, yeah, yeah. He's the same age as me and Johnny, pretty much. And when he comes over, he's just got that sense of humour. Yeah. Um, but he was all dressed up. I don't know if you've seen the videos on LinkedIn where he's got all his PPA and he comes out of a manhole cover with a Pico tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he had all that gear on at Essen. And I'm thinking, all right. But he's at the XQ bot cell and he was right. like looking at the, the pendant. And I had three customers with us. I can't remember. What, there was a sales partner with me and I says, oh, Stanny's over there. I'll get him to show you. So I walked over and I like nudged him. I said, Stanny, can you show us, can you show these customers this? They're really interested. And he like blanked us. And I was like, so I pushed him and I said, hey, asshole. Like, <laughs> and he just said out the corner of his mouth, I'm fucking filming. And I looked over and there was a camera crew on him. <laughs> they, were, they were actually recording, standing, pretending to go through the panel. And I looked and I was like, oh, shit, sorry, guys. And everyone just erupted in laughter. But so, yeah, there's loads of, he does a lot of it. Um, cool. Like all the, the Pico tigs. He's done a lot with cool bots. Um, I think if we can, if you have that meeting with Alan and then sort out what day we can have an overlap and I'll come down and spend a full day, um, I'll put my EWM overalls on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> my hat, my woolly hat that you brought me this morning. Oh, yeah. You can... I needed that this morning. It was two degrees. I don't know. I remember last time I was here, you had a bit of a, like a bobble one on. I was like, oh, I need to get you a branded one. I think Oliver nicked that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, that's really good. So we'll, we'll sort an overlap out and then I can come and and say hello to everybody it'll be really cool yeah Mac, Mac. April April yeah 3rd or 4th week of April it was still really good I can't remember but that's for Birmingham Mac isn't it Birmingham NAC we did it years and years ago it's just manic cool it's alright when you go to Essen because you just turn up and everyone else has done all the graph but when it's you it's like you've got to do it all yeah I mean Johnny did the last one we set up on a, a Sunday morning I'll be busy. I'll be busy that day. I can't make Sunday. Oh, yeah, we drove down on the Sunday morning, so four hours drive there, and we set up. It took us till about ten o'clock at night to set up, and drove to the hotel. Then Johnny was there five days. 
And then I drove back down on the Friday night and we took the stand down on a Friday night and then drove home on the Saturday morning. Just me and him. And when Alan sort of kills for saying this, when Alan said, oh, we're going to do Mac, me and Johnny looked at each other and went, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, I think we've got like Germany supporting we're quite a bit with this one as well. Cool. So a lot of the stuff that we had in Essen, we're we going to be able to have for our stand. Brilliant. So, and um, the marketing team over there were helping to design it where we didn't really have that the last time. Okay. So it was just me and Johnny, two, like, two Geordie Shaw boys turning up. And just saying, <laughs> Fake Sam. Just saying, where the fuck is all this going to go? We had two vans full of shit, and we were like, let's just blag it. And then Alan did what he does, turns up on the Monday morning and tries to change it all. <laughs> but, you know, it, it worked out. But our stand's going to be bigger than last time. Um, and obviously we're going to have more. I think we'll, we'll try to cram too much. What about right. eight machines welding last time? Right. There wasn't enough room for customers on the stand. <laughs> so I think we'll have a couple. Johnny will be having like the TIG speed and right. the Titan on. Um, and then there's going to be the XQ cell. And then just like we'll have a stand with a, a smaller inverter. That's what Pico makes, Pico TIGs and all that. Cool. That'll be really good. I think I remember the first time I met Johnny. I said, oh, what, what element are you using, Johnny? He said, I'm using this one, but... I read this show and this really fit bird tried selling me this particular helmet and he said she was stunning. <laughs> and, and that was the first conversation I had with Johnny. Uh, I'd never forget that conversation. Uh, but he's um, he's been with the company a long time. Eight years, nine years? Eight, yeah, I joined about a year after I did. Yeah, nine years then. Uh, he's like, I mean, my like best mates outside of work anyway. And, and will that... Did that happen before? Or no, was that that, just I'd never work? met him until... He worked for one of our customers. Um... And I don't know how, how it wasn't me that approached me. Just turned up one day for an interview in a, uh, in a Chelsea top. In a Chelsea top. Yeah, yeah. So Alan I was straight away. Him. I didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> Tosser coming out an interview in a Chelsea top, and then Alan interviewed him, and then like he just started, and and it was one of those. It was at a time when we were doing a lot of renovation at EWM. Remember um, the old demo bay? We didn't have a mezzanine for No, no. So you put all that in, didn't you? Well, me and Johnny, just the first sort of week Johnny was there, me and him were knocking walls down with sledgehammers and kicking fuck out of stuff and ripping. It was just mad. And yeah, ever since then, like, we'll see each other. I would say we'll play football together, we'll play snooker together. We're Amazing. best mates outside of work Brilliant. now. So, aye. Uh, he's still a mental, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not job. Aye. Uh, Brilliant. But he's a fucking good welder. Right, we'll leave it there then, buddy. But uh, yeah. awesome. And you'll be back in six weeks to do another episode. Absolutely. Awesome, mate. Brilliant. The Weldlight Batter Podcast is sponsored by MS Welding, the number one welding solution provider. MSWelding.co.uk.